This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It is time to go through every single NFC team, talk about their best move of NFL draft weekend. Hayden Winks, draft is in the books, the picks were made. The teams were honest with us through their selections, through their wallets. And yes, once again, 16 of these teams loaded with new skill position players, namely at wide receiver. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm going through top 50 dynasty rankings for the rookie class. Uh, we'll go over that next week, but expect that coming up. You have press conference things going on Underdog Network. If you have not gone to Underdog Network yet, you can find the depth charts that we're going to go over and a lot of written content, including Charles's draft grades afc and nfc today we're going press conferences and depth charts on this show should be good and underdog is giving away 10 million dollars just a small little thing go and play best ball mania three over on the app here we go we're gonna go alphabetical order we already did the afc version of this if you missed that it's on the channel probably linked right down below we start off with the arizona cardinals who hayden shocked everyone trade the number 25 overall selection for marquise brown Surprise, surprise, as Steve Kime put it. Um, he was actually the number 13 overall player on their board coming out of Oklahoma, where he played with Kyler Murray. Kyler had no idea this trade was going to happen. Obviously, the two are very close friends, but they had to keep it a secret. A secret, in fact, because, you know, the Ravens needed a certain player on the board. It ended up being Tyler Linderbaum. Um, they predicted that wide receivers would fly off the board before them. All those rookies would be projections. And they feel, Hayden, that Hollywood Brown it's two years cost controlled and he can play inside and outside and fulfill that vertical player that they are missing right now on their roster. He is pretty similar to Christian Kirk. And I'm very curious to see where he's going to line up because he was like 29% uh, in the slot in with Baltimore. Um, and basically we have to decide is Rondale Moore dead to us or not? Because if, if, uh, Marquise Brown's going to be playing in the slot, that means that Rondale Moore is in this gadget role. And then he is going not going to be, able to be drafted in fantasy circles. I think that he's probably going to play on the outside with Rondale in the slot to start the season. And then after DeAndre Hopkins comes back, that's when I'm going to have some Rondale more concerns with the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. It's probably just going to be AJ green into the new Hopkins role. Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore rounding out three wide receiver sets, but big time win for Marquise Brown. I think that he has a chance uh, even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back to um, be in the mix for leading this team in yards uh, maybe not red zone touchdowns like DeAndre Hopkins, but I think Marquise Brown's probably like a wide receiver two, wide receiver three right now. He was my guy last year in round 18, but I keep forgetting that AJ Green is actually on this roster and they have two yeah. more void years um, after this. You mentioned Rondale Moore, and right now, again, in Best Ball Mania 3, we're going to reference it a lot. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 52. DeAndre Hopkins, who is now suspended for six games, is going as wide receiver 26. Marquise Brown going as wide receiver 21. They often talked about that inside, outside, downfield, vertical ability. And I think you outlined it really well. That was a lot of what Christian Kirk did last season. You know, there were times when either one of those outside wide receivers would miss time and he would fulfill it on the outside. But like they really wanted to be an 11 personnel team and then have him be and create explosive plays 
from from the inside. There was a little moment of this press conference where a reporter asked about Rondell Moore and if this impacted his role at all. And they said no, no. And that they project, like you said, Hollywood to be a Christian Kirk-like player. I could see if you listened to just that segment, if you thought that it was talking about Rondale, but the entire 10, 15 minute conversation was, was about Marquise Brown. And they keep reiterating that he is like the multiple, the, the flex play. Hey, I'm just concerned, like what this team looks like in the first six weeks of the season without DeAndre Hopkins, you know, because tiny, I know. And, and Cliff even went out there and said, we are at our best when we distribute the ball equally. They drafted a tight end. In round two, in Trey McBride, could we see more 12 personnel to start the season versus the 11 that they typically do? I think we'll see more 12 personnel compared to the previous Cardinals because they also have Max Williams. And I think we're going to see less 10 personnel. I think that this last season, towards the end of the year, they realize it's just not a sustainable formula in the NFL. So I think it's going to be more 11 personnel and maybe a sprinkle more of of 12 personnel. But yeah, to me, this is just... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much just out on Rondell Moore. Like the Marquise Brown thing was basically replacing Christian Kirk. And even, even if uh, Christian Kirk, that Christian Kirk role is on the outside, like it was in 2020, Rondell Moore still number three in, in targets and maybe even number four, if Zach Ertz has a, another great season too. So uh, going to the Trey McBride uh, selection for dynasty circles, Zach Ertz is under contract for the next two seasons. Like they can't get out of his contract for the they next two seasons. They paid him money. Right. I don't know what this offense is going to look like in three seasons. Like this offense could look completely changed, even just going into next year if this offense spins out of control. So I don't know what to do with with Trey McBride. Uh, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant. I do. I don't think he's that much of a threat to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz got paid real money here, so I think that Zach Ertz is still in that tight end one two conversation. Marquise Brown, obviously, big win for him. And I think that Rondale Moore. I'm I'm pretty concerned with him, uh, even if it is the first six uh, games with DeAndre Hopkins sideline. Rondale is 100% a player that I have to see it before I believe it. And not necessarily the talent. Like, I think he does well in the usage that he gets. It's if he can be anything more than that, because we know the missed time during his, you know, years at Purdue. And then what I think they have to be honest with him. Like, it's not like they were great at wide receiver all during last season. And then that was just, they felt most comfortable with him. But we're going to get training camp reports we're going to see during preseason action and all that type of stuff. Getting to day three, because they drafted a sixth round running back in Keontae Ingram. I know there's a section of draft Twitter. Hey, don't do that. You don't like Keontae Ingram as a player. You Thanks, phony. Um, they lost Chase Edmonds to a bunch of money to the Miami Dolphins. They called Ingram a big physical back downhill who can help on special teams. This was the quote that stood out to me. We've got James Conner as a starter, and then we go from there. So it was all split backfield last year and really segmented, you know, between the twenties, it was Chase Edmonds. You get to the goal line. It was James Conner. Now injuries threw that all in flux, but this year, Hayden, we might have from the zero to the zero James Conner season. And people will still fade him, man. People will be like, ah, I don't really like that as the third round pick. I think that he is a top 10 running back. He has top five ceiling outcomes for James Conner, but Keontae Ingram, I didn't have time to watch him in depth because he, he was not supposed to be drafted very high, and he wasn't. But here are the benefits with Keontae Ingram. He's 221 pounds, and that's already enough to have a three-down workload of things break his way. I don't like these 198-pound running backs in fantasy, especially at the dart throws. He also averaged 5.5 yards per carry, which is just one metric, but at least he's somewhat efficient, and he caught 89 passes in college. So he was never the workout, uh, like workhorse for either at USC, Texas, wherever, but 
I think he's better than Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin would have done something by now, you know? So for me, if it's, if it's Eno Benjamin versus Keontae Ingram, give me Keontae Ingram. And I think that Keontae Ingram should go drafted every single time in Best Ball Mania 3. You should be overexposed to him and wow. James Conner on different teams. But this offense is fantasy gold, especially when we have the weirdness with DeAndre Hopkins and everyone else. James Conner and Keontae Ingram could have multiple touchdown uh, games this year. And it wasn't just last year with James Conner scoring touchdowns. The year before, it was Kenyon Drake scoring touchdowns. Yep. You know, like, they run the ball inside the 10-yard line. This is what they do, and they do it very, very well. Yeah, you mentioned James Conner's a possible top 10 running back. I've seen some rank him as a top five running back. Right now, in best form, I need a three and underdog. He's going as running back 17. It's still value. Keep drafting him. Hammer that selection right now. Final point on, on the Cardinals. Reporters asked if this would appease Kyler Murray, who's had his contract, you know, in flux this entire offseason. Steve Kahn, quote, it better a lot. <laughs> uh, apparently a couple of years ago, they Kyler pleaded for them to take CeeDee Lamb and they just refused that request. So maybe this is a do good. Okay. Atlanta Falcons. We know they took Drake London again, your Trojans wide receiver number eight overall. Um, no athletic testing really before. Uh, they were very comfortable with that, though. And, you know, this was the 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 rumor, the mention, the buzz that they preferred size and, you know, combining this with, with Kyle Pitts. You know, Arthur Smith said he's tough to bring down. The competitor sticks out. He doesn't choose to go out of bounds. And go watch him inside. And, Hayden, I know this is a point that you've made over and over and over again. Pigeonhold is like an outside jump ball, contested catch wide receiver. If you go and see his slot work, which Arthur Smith repeatedly talked about, it gets you really excited and shows that he is, in fact, versatile. He's productive in every area of the field. He had 3.7 screens per game, and he was a truck stick after him. He was fighting for first downs nonstop, and he's so fluid. like He can do like jump cuts out in open space for somebody that's that big. That's super impressive to me, but he also on passes uh, beyond the line of scrimmage, so not screen passes, he was second in college football with like 110 yards per game. So, I mean, he, it doesn't matter which part of the field. Drake London is good at all of it. So this is a perfect fit. He also, at USC, they would have him down block. Like, and that's something that's super important to this offense, kind of like A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's much better after the catch. I think it's more Michael Thomas, which is Terry Fontenot's uh, background. So... I think Drake London's going to absolutely smash the the injury he sustained is not something that should be lingering uh, beyond that. And there's nobody else to throw the ball to. Auden Tate, Olamide Zacchaeus, like these guys are making no money. They were never supposed to be good. It's just going to be Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I think that Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter are at least accurate enough. Like they're not going to be wowing you, but they can throw a freaking pass six yards. And Drake London, I think, is going to really surprise people how fluid he is. And that he's not just some jump ball specialist. He's like way, 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 way more than that to me. Outfits being drafted as tight end three thirtieth overall. Drake London wide receiver thirty seven. I think you can see a whole bunch of different That's variations here. Yeah, like again, Drake London sometimes in the slot, and then Cal Pitts split out wide. You can see that flipped, and then you can also see tight alignments for both. You know, then you can have Cordero Patterson mixed out there with you know some other people in the backfield. And we talked about this defense heading into the draft because we thought like that might be a focus for them. It's probably not going to be good. They have a couple superstars in Grady Jarrett and AJ Terrell, and they added Arno Ebiketti there in in round two. But the name I also want to turn to is fourth round, excuse me, fifth round selection, the eighth pick of the fifth round. BYU running back Tyler Algier. We talked about him coming out of of the Cougars, where he probably thought he was two steps faster than he was. And he's like a, a, a 
slow version of J.K. Dobbins in some ways. Um, Mike Davis was just cut. We know that Cordero Patterson emerged as a really exciting running back and being able to use in a variety of situations last year. I think part of that, Hayden, was how bad the blocking was, and he was just so much faster and didn't have to you know, force missed tackles in the backfield. But they love Algiers' yards after contact. They call it a competitive running back room, and then the opportunity is there, and it's wide open. So if he's not a contributor on first and second down, he'll be out there in special teams. But they left the light on for him to be a contributor as a runner, as a rookie. Well, they have no choice. The rest of their depth chart is complete ass. They have got Damian Williams, uh, Cordell Patterson. We don't know what Cordell Patterson role. Like He had literally three different roles. He had wide receiver. Yeah. He had early down back. He had third down back. They get rid of Mike Davis. And I think basically Tyler Algier and Damian Williams are going to fight for early down work. And CPAP might be the third down back. But it's very hard to predict um, just for dynasty purposes. Tyler Algier was a 54th percentile prospect in my model. So pretty forgettable. I didn't really see anything crazy on tape. But nope. 4.2 yards after contact is is a very good number. Um, we'll see. I think he should be drafted. This is a backfield influx. I don't think this offense is going to be very good but Tyler Algier at least has a chance I would take him over Damian Williams who's making no money but this is probably be CPAT's backfield and if Tyler Algier gets in there it's probably going to be pretty inefficient touches just behind this offensive line quickly two more picks that they made Troy Anderson from Montana State um, on day two he was one of those perfect 10 athletes a guy who played quarterback then running back and then flipped over to linebacker during his final two seasons he has a long way to go in terms of playing linebacker he's probably at his best converging on the edge and chasing people down on the outside. Um, but anytime he like had to work through trash in the middle of the field, he like didn't have linebacker instincts, but that's probably from, you know, not playing the position for, for very, very long. And then obviously they took Desmond Ritter, Hayden quarterback, Cincinnati third round. He compared himself to Marcus Mariota. He will be learning underneath Marcus Mariota. Um, he's the vet Marcus is, and that's how it's going to start out but nothing is ever written in stone. Those are the words from Arthur Smith. So much later than probably anyone expected with these quarterbacks to go, but Desmond Ritter in this type of offense with the two weapons that we talked about early on, maybe there's something there. We're not counting on it, but maybe there is something there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be threatening Mariota to start the season, but if, if Mariota is three and nine or something like that, then why not see uh, what they have with Desmond Ritter? My, my Desmond Ritter take is I think he's going to be an NFL offensive coordinator by 2032 like i think that he's kind of on that trajectory everyone loves him super competitive all that stuff i just didn't see enough arm talent with him and maybe it's fixable we've seen it before he's got the the persona to kind of overcome that stuff but i think that mariota is going to start most of the season if, and if the falcons are competitive in any capacity i think mariota will start the whole season desmond ritter fell man like third round picks just at quarterback just don't play like that's just yeah. like the, the way it goes Arthur Smith has quickly ascended to the top of I'm going to act salty in front of media members totem pole. I mean, it's awful. Just like what's up with that? Just be kind, man. Like try to educate instead of just taking offense to every single question. It's absolutely ridiculous. It was like nails on a chalkboard watching those press conferences because Arthur Smith acted like he didn't want to talk and then just kept talking. I, I'm pretty sure his dad is the CEO and founder of FedEx. Yeah. Like, why are you being an asshole? Like you, you hit the, the jackpot. Like you're an NFL head coach and your dad is the owner of FedEx and you're going to still be an asshole. Come on. That's pathetic. Carolina Panthers. We know at pick number six, they took Iki Iquanu, a tone setter for them at left tackle. Just absolutely loves to maul people. Um, and then Hayden, maybe we can spurn that conversation at left tackle to a, a focus on the entire offense 
because we know one Sam Darnold just misses, you know, wide receivers and makes bad decisions even in a clean pocket. But at least now they have tried to help him with that offensive line. Um, you know, bring in Icky at left tackle, Austin Corbett, Bradley Bozeman. You still have some pieces there in Brady Christensen. Obviously, Taylor Moten's a fantastic right tackle. All these Panthers, I'm not going to say undervalued at the moment, but it's a lot different perspective we had going into this year versus like year two of Joe Brady when Robbie Anderson was getting steamed and a bunch of other players were getting steamed. What's your view over the Panthers right now and if we should be excited about anything? They were 28th in PFF's pass blocking grade. They'll probably be 22nd. They're a little bit better. Um, definitely like uh, their left tackle situation way better. It seems like Ben McAdoo like, legitimately likes Sam Darnold, and I'm not sure after drafting Matt Crowd if they're going to add much competition. Maybe it's Jimmy G. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield, but I think if I had to guess, it's most likely just going to be Sam Darnold this year. So I think Sam Darnold becomes somebody that you could draft as a quarterback three in best ball mania, and Robbie Anderson's for free. DJ Moore has a chance to go a little bit higher than where he's going right now. So I, I'm like, I have some punt interest in this offense, but I think like the, one of the things that you've been bringing up is what they're going to do with Robbie Anderson's contract. There's a chance that they move him post June one uh, when his contract gets a little bit more tradable. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on just like Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson? I think it's really important. Like I think at least it's really important for DJ Moore's uh, upside. Yeah. Robbie's a very emotional player. Uh, last year on the sideline, I think there were multiple times when he was fed up with Sam Darnold, even though that they had history. Then this offseason, when the Panthers were linked to Baker Mayfield, uh, he was visibly on social media saying, I do not want Baker Mayfield here. Quickly on that note, I know there are some reports even heading into round three that the Panthers and Baker and the Browns were like close to a deal. Those dissolved prior to the draft starting on day two. Um, anyways, so yeah, Robbie, look, they gave him an extension prior to last year because he outperformed his first year in Carolina. I still think that there's a lot of talent there as like an inside outside vertical player. It just all went to shit last year. Right. Right. And so if one of these teams, let's say the Cleveland Browns or other teams that really need another option as a downfield playmaker, who someone on a somewhat affordable contract after June 1st, the Panthers, it's not much to save money, but they have money. You know, they, they started, don't they're not in need of cap space. So just saving one or $2 million isn't a big deal. They probably just want more picks moving forward. And if that's the case, Hayden, the name I keep bringing up to fill that spot is Terrace Marshall, because this is, you know, day two draft capital for someone who's still young and still was one of the best in contested catches and had a great training camp last year. We forget that part. So that's just a name as we continue on through the summer process, because I don't think you'll see Robbie moved until obviously after that June 1st period, if he is at all. Yeah, if they do move him, they'll only save $1.2 million and they'll eat $10 million dead. I don't think they care about money. No, I know, but that just means that's really damning on Robbie Anderson. If if that if he right. does get moved, like that is like extremely concerning. Like that means they like really said you are out of here. So uh keep that in mind. I, I'm I'm somewhat with you with Terrace Marshall in the last couple rounds. He's worth the flyer. He's basically competing against Rashard Higgins at this point for, for snaps in the slot, and Rashard Higgins is making no money this year. Right. Uh, and again, tight end I'm, groups, completely pathetic. So the target's got to go somewhere. Right. And let me reiterate that Terrace Marshall balled out last year in training camp. And then it all went to crap the offense because the quarterback play and the offensive line. And then they fired Joe Brady like 10 weeks into the season. You know, it. I, I think the offense from a passing standpoint can only go up. Like it wasn't even sure. good in oh, those yeah. first four weeks. That was just Sam Darnold having rushing touchdowns that were obscure. 
you know? Um, quickly, let's talk about the quarterback. They love Matt Corral. Um, I think a major, major part of what they loved about him was that he was quick and decisive and his release um, in terms of, of the speed of it. And Ben McAdoo, I mean, he does those same exact things. It's not, it's not the RPO heavy stuff that Lane Kiffin did. And that's a really fun offense to watch as we outlined in videos, but they believe that there are some tools there. And this is a perfect spot where with all these quarterbacks, really, you're not taking sixth overall. You don't have to play right away. So I think it really is a test out there across the league of if this common narrative, well, these guys should sit and learn and grow and develop. This is one of those opportunities for him. Do you think Sam Darnold starts week one for the Panthers? Do. do you think he starts over under 10 and a half games, Darnold? And if it's if it's not Darnold, is it Corral or is it somebody else? I mean, they've still got PJ Walker on the roster too. Okay. Um, I would put it right at 10. So I guess under, under that, I think they'll want to get Matt Corral out there if things are going badly, because then they will have to figure out what that evaluation is, you know, going into next all season. So you think like for best ball tournaments, you can take a, you can stack Sam Darnold with a DJ Moore and a Terrace Marshall. Like it's not the, it's not, it's a dart throw stack, but like you think there's, he at least could be on the roster the entire season. Look, Ben McAdoo, for everyone to say about him, he loves traits and quarterbacks. Yes. And Sam has more traits than Baker Mayfield. And he wrote as much and talked about as much prior to their draft class. Yeah. And so Ben, as a coach, thinks he can coach people up. So I, I think that that's how they're going to roll forward. And again, the Panthers offense was miserable last year in all facets. And I think we have that plugged into our head rather than believing, hey, if it regresses back to league average, Cool. We get a bunch of upside here with a few of these pieces. Yeah, I think Sam Darnold's going to play most of the year. I agree with that. Chicago Bears. Oh, what a night. Chicago Bears didn't have a pick until the seventh overall selection round two. Took a cornerback in Kyler Gordon. Then took Jawan Brisker, who's like a versatile safety. And then round three, Hayden. Seventh pick of round three. Vilas Jones Jr. Lots of Trojans, man. Well, ended up being a Vol. But... Speedster, quicks, explosion, returner. We were craving wide receiver help and just overall assistance for Justin Fields during his second season. And what we got was a 24-year-old wide receiver um, who now enters a grouping with Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle, and that's your trio. Vilas Jones is going to be 25 this year. He's 24 right now. He's going to be 25 like Next very month. soon. I was at USC at the same time Vilas Jones was there. Like, I was a junior. I wasn't even a senior. I was a junior when Vilas Jones was uh, at USC. Man, this this sucks. Justin Fields, I don't. They just don't. They're not trying. Period. Like, they they had to take their medicine. I understand it. And like, they probably got decent value with Kyler Gordon and and Burke and Brixer. But I mean, Justin Fields, man, his number two is Byron Pringle, who was just arrested for doing donuts with a kid in the car on a oh, suspended I didn't license. See that. I didn't see that. That's but, tough. Yeah. I mean, Hayden, what, what they're doing right now is it was a bad thing that they inherited with year over year, poor decisions from Ryan Pace. So it's almost like a purge year in some cases, but you'd think even in a situation like that, we've seen other teams add to the roster to get it at least competitive or fun or a way that you can evaluate your quarterback. Cause I really think right now, and it's easy to say this, you know, in May versus what we're going to see maybe in week 10. 
it's going to be tough to evaluate what Justin Fields is. And it's not just the wide receiver help that he does not have. It's also the offensive line. They lost James Daniels. They're starting, hopefully, Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, who barely played during his rookie season as well. And that's a huge projection. Don't you agree that like it, it might be a very difficult point that you waste two years of Justin Fields' rookie contract and then you're back into maybe a top five selection the next year and figuring out what you're going to do with that spot? That's exactly what's going to happen. This team has no chance. It really doesn't. Man, this this really stinks. But I will say Byron Pringle has a startable contract, like over $4 million, and the GM says it's whatever that arrests. So I think that Byron Pringle is definitely draftable um, in fantasy circles. My other take here is David Montgomery is going to touch the ball a ton. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. So we'll see. Uh, I love Justin Fields coming out. I thought he looked really bad as a rookie, and this roster is completely barren. So it sucks, but it is what it is. Go Bears. Dallas Cowboys also had some offensive line situations, namely cutting Lyle Collins. So they bring in Tyler Smith, who can play in a variety of spots. Uh, He was their first-round pick, 24th overall. Let's – Go over to day two, though. They draft a pass rusher and Sam Williams. And then we go to the 24th pick of round three, and that's Jalen Tolbert coming out of South Alabama. We know this team re-signed Michael Gallup, lost Cedric Wilson, traded away Amari Cooper, runs a ton of 11 personnel, especially with the tight end questions that they, you know, aren't even going to have with Blake Jarwin anymore. Um, So... What stood out to me, Hayden, is Dak Prescott actually called Jalen Tolbert before the draft even started. Dak Prescott wrote out a list of wide receivers that he wanted the you know scouting department to go through, and Jalen Tolbert was on the list. Inside-outside player, that reminds me a little bit of what Cedric Wilson was doing for them and what CeeDee Lamb was previously doing. And so moving all these guys around, obviously Michael Gap on the outside. If he emerges, Jalen Tolbert's a name to keep in mind. I viewed him differently. I've actually viewed him closer to Michael Gallup as just a vertical double moves jump ball specialist. He actually led college football with 113 yards per game on passes beyond the line of scrimmage. So nothing underneath, no gadget stuff with Jalen Tolbert. Big, physical, outside receiver. He's going to be competing with James Washington, and we've gone over this, Josh. James Washington's making $1.2 million. We know what that means. Less Can't than, do it. Less Won't than Festival Mania 3 winner. He can't do it. So he's off the list. So I think that Jalen Tolbert, in the first, I would say, month of the season, it sounds like Michael Gallup's going to be uh, still rehabbing. They don't expect him to be back to start the year. So I think it's going to be CeeDee Lamb going to the moon. Like, he's going to be a top five fantasy receiver. And yep. then I think Jalen Tolbert has the opportunity to go out there on the outside and have a starting spot to open the year. So I think ultimately it's going to be number one, CeeDee Lamb, massive teardrop. Then you get into Michael Gallup, massive teardrop. Then it's Jalen Tolbert. And then Dalton Schultz is going to be sitting there, meanwhile, and eating up everything. Yep. So Tied in is- eight for Dalton Schultz. Like, give me all of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dalton Schultz was legitimately awesome last year. Legitimately awesome last year. Uh, Jalen Tolbert going as wide receiver 82 at the moment. And the reason I said inside outside is because that's how they described him. So interesting. Okay. There might be more of that vertical downfield contest catch of what he did at South Alabama. He's also 23 years old, but they described him as like that inside to outside guy. But if go ahead. If, if he starts, like if, if Jalen Tolbert just or beats James Washington or if James Washington starts, I think CeeDee Lamb's going to go into the end of the slot a ton. Like I know he already played a lot of slot last year, but Michael Gallup's an X. I think Tolbert and James Washington can both be that vertical Z receiver. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to play a ton in the slot. And yeah, I think. 
This is a year to get back in on Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb. I think we've been projecting that CeeDee Lamb breakout season. If it doesn't happen this year, that just means that CeeDee Lamb is just overrated. And I don't think that CeeDee Lamb's overrated. I know that dude could ball. So yeah. I think this is just going to be the CeeDee Lamb offense this year. And I'd guess that Tyler Smith starts at left guard and then either takes over for Tyron Smith in a couple of years at left tackle or maybe moves over to right tackle at uh, at some point too. Okay. Detroit Lions. We know Aiden Hutchinson, regrettably, unfortunately, was the number two overall selection, RIPR mock drafts. We don't have to go into that one very much. But let's talk about Jamison Williams. Hey, they had the number 32 overall selection. They trade all the way up to the 12th overall pick. This was a three-player run at wide receiver four, if you include Drake London, at number eight overall. Um, Jamison Williams, to them, we know all about the vertical speed. He actually scored the highest in their GPS speed. This is a team that doesn't care about 40 times. They only basically use GPS tracking, something to keep in mind. But they also brought up that what gets overlooked is his toughness. He's typically only described by his speed, and that they wanted game changers. So it made sense. One-year deal basically for DJ Chark and for agency. You have Amon Ross St. Brown eating and feasting underneath with TJ Hawkinson. You have another guy on the outside here in Jamison Williams. Fun group. They are legitimately coming with the 2019 Rams offense with Jared Goff. Uh, they've compared themselves, and I agree with it. Amon Ross St. Brown is the new Robert Woods. And my comp for Jamison Williams was a bigger Brandon Cooks. It's like all of a sudden, like you have basically with this offense led by their former uh, GM coming from the Rams in the first place. I love the fit. I, I, I'm unsure how much he's going to play as a rookie. I think that he's going to have to develop a little bit. But talking about just like where this offense wins this last year, DeAndre Swift, Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, that's everything within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. They couldn't move the ball downfield at all. We were right. watching plays like we had to like rewind the tape when we were doing the Jameson Williams breakdown. And we like pause it because you'd be between two safeties. And all of a sudden the ball would be in the air and he is nowhere to be found way downfield. So I think he's a legitimately special, special, special player. And I think later in the year, we're going to see some breakout games. But I think the big thing here is Jared Goff, no competition for him. He's going to be the guy. I think Jared Easy. Goff is at least good enough to get fantasy targets out there. And I think that Jamison Williams later on could be someone to, to keep in mind here. They search for a player who could play on the outside that dictated coverage occupied that's know. him and then that's only gonna make us like you know i'm gonna st brown even more over the middle of the field and what he continues to do um let me ask you this okay because jared Goff is going as corner quarterback 27 how this team created a lot of their production early on last season we're gonna have a whole summer to talk about this but you remember like all the deandre swift stuff it was all when they were down by like 24 points at the end of the yeah. third quarter in the fourth quarter. And it was like explosive plays of 60 yards that he broke multiple tackles on screens or swings or anything like that. It's a productive offense. And I think maybe like the final six to eight weeks is more indicative of what we're going to get this year. But like part of me wonders if they are a more competitive team, if they're going to create production in the same way that they did it for the entire season last year. And I guess my comment to that would be, DeAndre Swift and not necessarily Jared Goff. Like I'm, I'm in on Jared Goff at the quarterback 27. Yeah. DeAndre Swift is going pretty high in draft. Same thing with Monroe St. Brown. I think both of them should go down. I think I've given up on like the TJ Hawkinson ceiling outcomes. You know, I think he's just like, he's a good player, but nothing too special to me. So to me, it's like, I'll, I'll take some Jared Goff late. If I, if I really am feeling desperate, but I don't even love quarterback threes in best ball, but yeah. I think I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of, of James Williams and the other guy. And this is going to be a hard knock superstar 
is Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams has starter, like, or not starter money, but like $4 million. Like, that's like more than enough money. I think that he's going to sprinkle in a little bit. He seems like a Dan Campbell guy, and that guy's hilarious. So, uh, in August, when those those videos start coming up, I know his ADP is going to climb, and he's he's free right now. So, I like him the best. Jamison Williams is a top eight player on their board. Uh, also love their day two selection and Josh Pascal. We talked about him with Ben Fennel. Just refused to get blocked at line scrimmage and it's kind of like an inside to outside versatility. Okay. We go from Detroit Lions over to the Green Bay Packers. Two first round picks, 22, 28. Two defensive players coming out of Georgia. Quay Walker at linebacker. Devontae Wyatt at defensive tackle. I'm actually kind of interested in Quay Walker for defensive rookie of the year because I think he's going to play immediately and Brian Gutekunst mentioned that like finally they have two linebackers that they trust to keep on the field in every single scenario and they don't have to change personnel groupings. Um, but I mainly want to ask you, Hayden, about Christian Watson because they traded both second round picks for him, 53 and 59, to get up to pick 34. In fact, they were looking to get back into round one, had a few conversations to go and get Christian Watson. Quote, we knew we had to get him. Size and speed is important to us. What kind of role do you envision for Christian Watson in his rookie season? I mean, he has to start week one. Like there's, they just don't have that much options on the outside. Like Sammy Watkins making less than the best ball mania three winner. Alan Lazard is an inside outside player. Maybe he, he could lead the team in targets. Alan Lazard could Randall Cobb seems like an inside player at this point. The rest of their depth charts, a bunch of tiny guys. So Christian Watson is that guy on the outside, man. I'm very conflicted on Christian Watson. Cause like, obviously in this offense, they need somebody to win downfield. And Christian Watson can do that. But there was a lot of drops. I can I actually comped him to MVS. So right. I'm very conflicted. Like I didn't rank him high coming into the draft. And then like he lands in the perfect spot here. Um I don't know. I I think the big winner here is age uh is is Aaron Jones, maybe a little bit AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones is gonna catch a ton of passes again, man. I was out on him the last couple of years because Devontae Adams was catching so many screens. I think it's just going to be Aaron Jones catching a bunch of passes this year. They gave him a ton of money the, uh, last offseason. I think that he's going to be the guy that's going to be uh, carrying this offense. To feed that perspective, they talked about Christian Watson's blocking in the running game. <laughs> so they said you can learn a lot about his his willingness and his effort and the toughness of these wide receivers about their willingness to block. I mean, it's a big deal for the Packers, man. No, like, I agree. LaFleur wants to run the ball. And so to feed your Aaron Jones then yeah, they're going to have their wide receivers blocked. To your point, though, I think at worst, if you looked at where Christian Watson won in college because he was such a better athlete than everyone else, it was just getting down the field and and running fast. Yes. With the ball in his hands, it worked well, too, with those manufactured touches, but just running past people. And so, as they call it, a bigger jointed MVS, that might be that early role. But like people expecting a massive, massive target share. I think you're going to get more old players this year versus like the forced and focused Aaron Rodgers that we've seen in the past few. Who's leading this team in targets on third and six? And it's, it's Alan Lazard, right? Like I, I, I think it is. I think it's Alan Lazard. Could second be Aaron Jones on that could, list? Could third be Rob Tunyon? They love Rob Tunyon still. They just want him back healthy and that's it. Okay. Los Angeles Rams did not have many selections here. Their first selection, in fact, was the 40th pick of round three. Andrew Whitworth was a part of their evaluation process for Wisconsin guard Logan Bruss. We know that they've had some movement. They have a new left tackle. Um, and so getting a guard and adding competition to that group was, was important. Hayden, there's really nothing really to talk about here. Unless we want to bring up Kyron Williams, who was a fifth-round pick, 21st overall. 
as soon as they made that selection, all their coaches just tar- started talking about pass pro. Makes sense in some ways. We've seen Cam Akers miss a large portion of the season. Joe Henderson is on the final year of his contract and misses large portions of seasons. And Sonny Michelle is a free agent. And Sonny Michelle, one of his best attributes is pass pro. And it 100% is Kyra Williams' best trait right now. Yeah, I don't think that Daryl Henderson's a, a pass pro guy. Uh, Cam Akers maybe could be that. So I'm, I'm kind of interested, not for fantasy, like Kyron Williams is not going to be a fantasy guy, but I, I do wonder if he's going to be a little bit of a thorn in this backfield where he is actually getting snaps out there. I mean, we comped them both pass blocking Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin can get in there and just do just enough to get you super annoyed. So I'm not drafting him in Best Ball Mania 3 or anything like that, but I think that it wasn't the greatest thing for cam makers that it's the exact opposite type of player here, not explosive, but the dude is undeniably was the best pass pass blocker in the entire draft. And this team use a lot of play action and you need somebody that can stand in there and block linebackers. So I think it was a great fit, like for real life. I'm not sure how much it's going to actually matter for fantasy. I'm with you. Um, I also want to bring up Allen Robinson since we're talking about the Rams to me, he is in a gold mine for scoring touchdowns. That seems so obvious, but for a team that as soon as Odell Beckham landed in this roster, 12 targets, eight receptions, eight touchdowns inside the 10-yard line, that isolated wide receiver to turn field goals into touchdowns is vastly needed. I mean, Cooper Cup draws a lot of attention in short areas of the field. We know that Tyler Higby is one of the least efficient players in that area. They're awful at quarterback sneaks with Matthew Stafford. You know, Allen Robinson, I think, had 14 or 15 touchdowns back in 2015, has only had about six or seven or even less than that each season since then. I bet he gets his highest touchdown numbers since that 20, 2015 year underneath his belt because, again, without Odell currently on this roster, he's still injured. I bet they look to Allen Robinson to be that isolated difference maker inside the 10 yard line on a team that throws more almost than anyone else in that area of the field. Yeah. Before the off season started, I went back and watched on Robinson and I didn't think that he was as trash as everybody was saying that offense was trash. He seemed like to be moving decent enough. And what you said is so true. Why is Matthew Stafford so bad at quarterback sneaks? It's, that makes true. no sense. It, what What is going on here? Like that makes no sense, but it's so true. And he's going as wide receiver 33. Allen Robinson is uh, after Darnell Mooney at wide receiver 31 after, you know, Cortland Sutton and Devontae Smith and a few others. So I think we need to boost that one just a little bit. Okay. Minnesota Vikings. I always love getting a first peek into the process of these new decision makers and Quasi loves to trade down, man. I mean, he traded down from pick 12 to pick 32. Made that selection with safety Lewis seen. Then they traded back from pick 34 with the Packers. And then they traded back up at 42 to get ahead of the New York Giants. So he loves to take picks. He also, again, made trades with the Packers and the Lions in their own division. Both of those teams took wide receivers and Jamison Williams and Christian Watson. This is one of those drafts because he passed up opportunities to add some really explosive players and then also could have stuck at pick 12 took Kyle Hamilton and instead trade back to 32 and took Lewisine. So it's one in the next, you know, two to three to four years that I think some Vikings fans are going to look back on and say, Hey, was this the right move? Yeah. And it's, it's too early to tell. Um, Lewisine's a completely different type of safety though. And I think that might be something Lewisine's going to be playing on the back half of it. And Kyle Hamilton's more going to be in the box covering tight ends and stuff. So maybe they just wanted 
that type of safety. They needed Andrew Booth. And Andrew Booth was the consensus CB4 the entire process until we learned that, hey, the NFL doesn't like him because he's been so banged up. But if, if Andrew Booth is that dude, he's going to be massive for the Vikings. Their depth chart right now is is really bad at corner. So they took a boom-bust pick, but I think that was probably worth it for for them. Yeah, and they took Ed Ingram also in the second round to play one of those guard spots. So right now you're probably looking at Christian Darisaw, who is the first-round pick in 2021 to play left tackle. Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill. That's a pretty good unit. My question to you, again, they pass it two opportunities to take wide receivers and other wide receivers too. So you're trotting out Justin Jefferson in a new offense with Kevin O'Connell, possibly Hayden leading the league in targets this year. I think that's in the range of outcomes. Then after that, you have what a 32 year old Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, who made some plays in the slot, but maybe there's some more opportunities there. And then Irv Smith at tight end, who we have never seen anything from, from a long period of time. So we know that we love Justin Jefferson. Maybe that's the only one we should be investing in. But do either of those other names stand out to you? Because in the Kevin O'Connell offense, I, I, a little bit of an inkling that we want we want pieces of it. Oh, big time want pieces of it. Nobody wants to draft Kirk Cousins. I think that this is, will be maybe his best statistical season. Adam Thielen, nobody wants him because he's old and injured. But he was, last time I checked, the wide receiver 11 per game last year. And this offense will run with more pace. They'll pass the ball more. And uh, KJ Osborne is decent. I think you can take a little sprinkle with him, but he's not a legitimate threat to Adam Thielen. So Adam Thielen, to me, is the guy that's the most underrated in this offense. And then obviously, you and I, we don't have to say it too many more times. We're the biggest Alexander Madison fantasy fans in the land. So this is the offense, man. For me, for fantasy, I want Justin Jefferson as a top five pick. I want Kirk Cousins stacks. I want Adam Thielen. I want a little bit of KJ Osborne. You can sell me on Irv Smith as a tight end two dart throw. And I really want... Alexander Madison. I guess the only person I don't want in this offense is Dalvin Cook right. uh, with a suspension and his shoulder injuries. Um, but everyone else, sign me up. Yeah. I mean, you're getting, we always talk about running back insurance. You want the ones that as soon as the starter goes down, you're getting 70% of the workload in all three downs. And again, it's new play callers this year. It's a new style. It's a new scheme. But that has always been Alexander Madison. And he does well when there's opportunities. So we're in you- still. You have uh, Kenny Nwangu love. You have a little bit of Ty Chandler love. They're going to be battling it out for running back three. Who are you rooting for? <laughs> Kenny, man, that was an incredible call uh, with Mike Renner and during last year's draft cycle when the PFF Lord himself didn't even know who Kenny Nwangu was. And then, boom, he goes and gets drafted in round four. That was an all-time moment. here. Okay. New Orleans Saints, man, talk about trading. They moved around a lot. And they got all the way up to pick 11 to go get a player that we knew that they were trying to target, shout out to Nick Underhill, and wide receiver Chris Olave. And they even said it, a player we coveted from the start of the process. And Hayden, they had two real needs, you know? Wide receiver, they're also getting Michael Thomas back. But then with the loss of Teron Armstead going to Miami, it was to be left tackle, and that's how they filled it in Trevor Pinning. They've said it based on their actions and through their local beat writers that they believe that they are still in contention as a win-now roster. And both of these moves show you once again that they believe with a wide receiver and a left tackle, their two biggest needs, that they firmly believe it is not a rebuild. It's a restock and try to win in 2022. And even before the draft, they spent the entire offseason restructuring, extending contracts. And these are older players that they're doing this. So this is just a win now team. And the NFC is not that great. This division's not that great. So they could sneak in to a wild card mix. I thought this was the perfect landing spot for Crystal Abe. 
Chris Olave to me is not going to be a number one receiver. He does not do anything after the catch. I think that he's a little bit too weak. There's some times against press coverage where I thought he had some issues, but man, this guy can sell routes and he has so much speed downfield. And when you have Michael Thomas winning underneath and Alvin Kamara can get schemed up stuff and who knows what they're going to do with Taysom Hill. Chris Olave is going to be the guy winning downfield and Traquan Smith, not, not part of our lives. Marquise Callaway, not going to be part of our lives. It's just going to be these two. And I think it's going to be a total smash. Jameis Winston is good enough to make Michael Thomas and Chris Olave fantasy relevant. We are expecting Alvin Kamara to miss some time as well. So I think that Chris Olave uh, deserves a little bit of love. I think that he's going to be uh, better in best ball too. Okay. If, because I was expecting them to take another running back. Is it just Mark Ingram who was on it's a bad. And Tony fully Jones. cuttable 2.2 contract and that's it? Is, is Mark Ingram the, the lead back they, as the backup, I mean? I think they're going to sign somebody or I, I don't think their running back depth chart is is locked in yet. That's hmm. yeah, we'll see. It's it's really bad out there, though. They have 19 million in, in cap space. Could it, could this be a Kareem Hunt landing spot? I, I was thinking about that. Interesting. Not to get in hypothetical here, but anyways, Chris Olave, they said they were the he was the one wide receiver that I thought, man, I know exactly what I'm getting with this player because he's highly polished yep. in the route runner that that you talked about. It's a tough one to gauge. Nothing changed with them. They just upgraded, you know, the OC and the defensive coordinator, and then that's that. But um, and we don't know what we're getting from Michael Thomas either. Like he's going as wide receiver twenty four right now. Chris Olave is going as wide receiver forty five at the moment, surrounded by names like Robert Woods, Jamison Williams, Chase Claypool, Christian Kirk, Kadarius Tony. So it all feels kind of right right now until like we we get more information. You know what I'm saying? Isn't isn't the Chris Olave pick perfect for Michael Thomas? You know, like somebody that can stretch the field legitimately, but is not going to be a high volume guy. Michael Thomas to me is going way too late in drafts. Like obviously there's a ton of risk, but they gave him contract like money into like way beyond this year and lots of it. He's already uh, training with the team. I can see like there's no reason that Michael Thomas can't be a top 10 receiver this year. New York Giants pick five with both corners off the board and Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner. Took a pass rusher and Kayvon Thibodeau. In their eyes, they thought if one of the two tackles that they loved, either in Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu, if both were still on the board, they were just going to take the other position player. And it turned out to be Thibodeau. And so then at pick seven, they're able to get Evan Neal. As we expected, they're starting him off at right tackle. Uh, then, if we can just fast forward, Hayden. 11th pick of the second round. They still need a corner, by the way. James Bradbury, his time is ending on this team. The Vikings just go and trade for Andrew Booth one pick ahead of them. Maybe they knew something. So Brian Dayball, Joe Shane, take Wandale Robinson, the wide receiver out of Kentucky, ahead of a bunch of names, ahead of Sky Moore, ahead of George Pickens, I believe, unless I'm forgetting this, ahead of a bunch of wide receiver names that we love. And Hayden, the questions ever since have been, well, isn't this like the same type of player as Kadarius Toney? I understand it from the perspective of they are both electric with the ball in their hands and they can create on their own. But to me, Wandale is like a slot only player and Kadarius, we have seen do everything and create separation, run legit routes all over the formation. That's my read. What's yours? Wandale's just not it. I just, he's too tiny, man. He, to me, he, I comped him as a less explosive Jakeem Grant. Is he Isaiah McKenzie? He's not, he's not like, he's not like an every down player to me. He's too tiny. You know, Kadarius Tony could be a top 15 real life player or wide receiver in the NFL. He's that good. I don't think, 
I don't think that there's anything to be worried about with Kadarius Tony's in the building. They said that they're talking to him. They're in communication. I think that they scared him and with the trade rumors and stuff, but now he's back in there. Uh, Darius Slayton's the one that I think that could get moved here. Uh, Sterling Shepard coming off a torn Achilles. That I think was suffered like in, in, in January, like Kadarius Tony versus Kenny Galladay. That's what this is coming down to. Kenny Galladay right now has the highest wide receiver cap hit in the NFL. I know it's wild. Come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. What, Mr. Gettleman put them into Daniel Jones is going as quarterback 24. There's going to be some rushing upside there too, you know, and this is on Daniel Jones's shoulders, even though, you know, the fifth year option, they declined it heading into next year. So yeah, it's the Tony stuff missing that first day. And just those reports coming out, I think people are going to latch onto that a little bit, but then he immediately was back working has been there for weeks at this point, And they seem totally fine. Things can go sideways real quickly with that. The man forgot his cleats last year in training camp and wore the wrong ones. But if we get all positive news leading up into the season, he is one of the most electric and explosive players and easily their, their best wide receiver, easily their best wide receiver. And I just want to put the notion out there that it's, he is not the same player as Wandale. So this isn't a replacement for Gadarius Tony in any way. Nope. I I'm totally with you. Uh, Sleeper, a little bit of a sleeper here. Daniel Bellinger. He was the fourth round pick, went a little earlier than expected, but people like Daniel Jeremiah were higher on him. He had a, a an interesting analytical profile coming out of San Diego State. This tight end depth chart, there's nobody on it. It's like Ricky Seals Jones, who's making the same as second place in Best Ball Mania 3. I think a sleeper, Dan, uh, Daniel Bellinger, could be a little Dawson Knox in a couple of years. We'll see. Like that a lot. Like that a lot. I think the Giants have uh, some ways to go. Early on, but I really like Brian Dable, even though he just shunned me during NFL Combine press conferences. But that's okay. It's a story for another time. Philadelphia Eagles, big moves. Start with AJ Brown. Um, the acquisition of AJ Brown was not contingent on other players coming off the board. They had agreed to the trade by pick 15, and so they dealt away pick 18. Um, he has a great relationship, Hayden, with the quarterback. In Jalen Hurts. The question I want to ask you is this. Last year, a lot of people in their minds have the memory of this being a run-first power team with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Jordan Howard in the offensive line. What are your expectations for what the Eagles want to be heading into 2022? Because it's going to look different with both Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown out there. And Dallas Goddard is a very good receiving tight end as well. I know th- they will make Jalen Hurts fit the offense that they think that could win the Super Bowl. And those type of offenses are pass first. And if Jalen Hurts can't handle that, then guess what? He's not going to be the starting quarterback in 2023. And they have multiple first round picks to do that. So I think just like last year, we knew that the offense wanted to be pass heavy. This is an analytics front office. They are going to make Jalen Hurts pass the ball a ton. So I wouldn't be surprised if we come out swinging and the Eagles are surprising us with like top 10 neutral pass rate weeks. And if Jalen Hurts can't handle that, then maybe they go a little bit more uh, run heavy. But I think that Jalen Hurts can handle it, to be honest. I think that he he's reasonable. And he's got A.J. Brown after the catch now. Like this is, if you look at like uh, Jalen Rager's yards per target and you just start replacing that with a little bit of A.J. Brown, all of a sudden Jalen Hurts looks really, 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 really interesting. So for fantasy purposes, you got to love it for Jalen Hurts. Obviously, A.J. Brown, like it would have been better in Tennessee. And same thing with Devonta. I, I wish that it was just Devonta, but this Eagles offense will be leaning on the pass to start the season. 
Nick Sirianni is not an idiot, you know? Like, he opened last year with the style in those first five or six weeks, like you alluded to. They were top half of the league, if not top 10 in the league, in neutral pass rates. It wasn't working, so they shifted. And it's yeah. pretty admirable how he was able to change the entire offense basically on the fly and get it to work in the second half of the season. I can tell you, heard these things during combine week. It is from a top down, the directive that this team wants to be passing oriented. They want to be pass first. So even though Jalen Hurts showed in the second half of last season, that might be his best style of offense at that point. They're still going to try it to start here. I would be stunned if they open the season with the same style that they ended last year on. They're going to try to revisit this. They're going to try to force feed Devante and AJ Brown, especially over the middle of the field and these, you know, tougher catches that both are fantastic at doing. Um, And if it doesn't work, guess what? They're loaded up in 2023. So this is why, because you can win with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts if you just cater the offense around him. They they want to cater to what they want to be, and it's passing. And so hopefully Jalen Hurts can do it, and man, does that team love him. That's something that they have to overcome too. Like They are going to buy in, and if it all works out, then we can see Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback there year after year after year. But I think that's like another reason for them to like really structure like the ceiling offense because then they can just be like he wasn't able to handle it, guys. Like the locker, you can't lose the locker room if Jalen Hurts just like simply can't handle it. But if they try to do this like little dink and duck offense, then it's gonna be harder to move on. I think they're gonna come out guns blazing and it's gonna surprise people. But if Jalen Hurts can't handle it, then it's like clear. All right, we got to find somebody else uh, next year, and they have the ammo and they're super aggressive this front office to make moves like that. Yeah, the, the main reason I want to ask that question is because Devontae only ended with 104 targets last year. Dallas Goddard had 76. Quez Watkins had 62. Jalen Rager at 57. And so people think and are assuming, well, if you're throwing A.J. Brown at the top of that list, what does this do for Devontae Smith? But again, we just outlined how it changed. And hopefully it doesn't have to change this year. But it's it might. It's still going to be tough for like the projections because like Dallas Goddard is is available. Jalen Hurts is still going to rush himself, so totally. it's going to be it's it's going to be a little challenging to figure all of this stuff out. But Jalen Hurts to me is the the fantasy winner, um, like maybe of, of the offseason. I think he's like right there, with like James Conner and Leonard Fournette, like absolutely crushed the offseason. Quarterback seven, he's going as right now. Um, a few more picks for the Eagles who continue to do this well. We mentioned as a possibility that Jordan Davis was going to be their selection. Well, he was a top 10 player on their board. Uh, They just love different types of dudes. We don't have to go into more of his evaluation, but what Jonathan Gannon does where it's kind of somewhat vanilla in the back half and having like big bulky space eaters who can also disrupt and like win on the spine of the defense. So maybe they can get more creative behind him now with different players, especially with N'Kobe Dean there in round two, a linebacker that I actually run. Uh, that's going to be really, really exciting to see. And then the story, Hayden, of Jason Kelsey basically basically picking out his replacement in center Cam Jurgens. They alluded it and and you know compared it to the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers learning underneath him dynamic. And you never hear about that at center, but they believe center is like the quarterback position and that he's unusual. And yeah, especially this is going to be a rookie contract quarterback for the next three, four years uh, at least. I think that it's probably going to be a new quarterback after Jalen Hurts this year. But even if it's Jalen Hurts, they're going to franchise tag him and the whole thing. Uh, so they need a they need a smart center. I think it's I think it's a very smart move. Yeah, I mean, just having both of those wide receivers who can win one on one matchups. I mean, Devontae was awesome last year. He just didn't get the ball enough, especially down the field. Hopefully, we see it. Hopefully, we see it this year. Okay, 
Seattle Seahawks are next. Hayden, we know at number nine, they took Charles Cross to be their left tackle. They did not have a left tackle really on the future. And then they come back and take Abraham Lucas, who maybe is their right tackle at the eighth pick of the uh, of the third round. They add a massive edge rusher in the eighth pick of the second round in Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. But the name we need to talk about is Kenneth Walker III coming out of Michigan State. Man, the Seahawks love to draft running backs. They gave some money to Chris Carson a few years ago. They draft Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny ends the season, gets $5 million this offseason, and they draft Kenneth Walker here on day two. You called him your number one ball carrier in this draft. Your initial projection, because it's kind of all over the map in fantasy circles at this moment, of what you expect from Kenneth Walker in his rookie season. He's probably going to be on the Javante Williams trajectory where he's the rookie season is probably not going to be all that electric. I think they're going to make some plays, um, but I know that this offense wants to run the ball, but this is basically a Kenneth Walker for dynasty circles. This is about the, the next season. Rashad Penny is on a one-year deal. It sounds like Chris Carson's probably never going to play football again. He's easily cuttable this offseason. So if Kenneth Walker is just better, if Rashad Penny gets hurt, he still has some upside the the thing with uh my rankings is for fantasy purposes Brees hall is an easier projection on third down so for fantasy i like Brees hall but for like real life football it's like who's a, the better runner i thought kenneth walker was the best in the class and it wasn't even close so uh we'll see obviously um rashad penny plus kenneth walker if they're both healthy that's not going to be too great on this offense for fantasy but i think long term it's still totally fine for for old walker yo these press conferences they talked so much about running the football. We want to run the football. We want to be good at it. We want to complement our whole football team with the way we approach it. We took two offensive linemen and a runner that shows you our identity. We want to have all the elements of what we want to be. Um, they believed he was underutilizing the receiving game when they called him. They said, we are looking for you to be a big factor on this team. Hayden, I know that Rashad Penny ended last year, helped people win a whole bunch of money in best ball mania and playoff best ball over an underdog fantasy. I would not be shocked if Kenneth Walker comes in there after what he showed at Minnesota, excuse me, Michigan State with those zone running, the gap running, the counter runs, all that type of stuff. They have more athletic offensive linemen now that if he goes in there and wins the job immediately. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I thought Kenneth Walker was really good. Just, just to kind of like go through this, who do you think would be like the goal line back? They're about this. I think Kenneth Walker might be a little more physical than Rashad. That's assuming Penny. that the Seahawks are going to score touchdowns. Yeah, but we got to figure this out. And then who's going to play on third downs between the two? You know, because yeah, neither I, of them are like projects to be like that. So no, we, we'll learn in training camp. I feel like we will. We will. And Rashad Penny had some massive lanes to run through at the end of last year. Like, like the that Lions. game, I think it was against the Texans and Texans, the Lions and yeah. all those. And yeah. I mean, he, he had some. He was much bigger than when he came out of San Diego State, but I'm I'm really excited for what Kenneth Walker can be. I know that like Leone and a few other people on ETR have are a little down in his projection. Some other people are across the industry too. I'm almost the opposite way. Like I don't want to get short term vision on these running backs, and maybe these wide receivers aren't like as great as some of the other ones in terms of like the top 10, especially last year, if we look at, you know, the Jalen Waddles and Jamar Chases of the world, I feel more comfortable adding Kenneth Walker in Dynasty than a lot of other people seem to be. But maybe that's just my bias here. We'll have the top 50 rankings on Tuesday. We'll walk through we it. San Francisco 49ers, Drake Jackson, 
Another for victory pass rusher coming out of USC uh, basically fills like that Arden key role a little bit. Now Arden key played a little bit more inside at times last year. And Drake Jackson, I think, you know, fluctuated between 240 and, and 260 pounds. Um, Hayden, let's jump though to the running back that they took out of Florida, Tyrion Davis price, because maybe this show last year got a little amp for Trey sermon, you know, and Trey sermon was picked 88 last year. Hayden, we just saw TDP get was picked 93. Why are we not equally as amped? I refuse to acknowledge this pick at all. On to the next one. <laughs> no, I, don't watch, I didn't watch this guy. I didn't watch this guy. He wasn't supposed to be good. Come on. What, okay. what are we doing here? He wasn't supposed to be good. Well, they love his on contact breaking tackles. Sure. They said it's reminiscent of Jeff Wilson. Here's a line, though, that stood out to me. Quote, he's a great compliment to Elijah. I think we envision a great role for Trey Sermon going forward for Jeff Wilson. I, but most seasons we have used four or five running backs. I don't think you can ever have enough running backs. So while we always want to order this, Hayden, well, which running back can we get in the Kyle Shanahan offense? By the way, it was supposed to be Raheem Mostert last year. He even said it in this press conference. They were going to be the starter. I don't know if I want any of them this year. Like what I keep coming back to is I want Trey Lance, naked Trey Lance at quarterback 11, because I know that if he starts and when he starts, the offense going to touch the ball every single time, and he is dynamite inside the 10-yard line for rushing scores. I think we should have a video later on. We're just going to pull four names out of the hat, for the, just the 49ers running backs, and that's how we're going to decide the depth chart. Um, who knows what they're going to do here, man? Well, I got a question with the press conference. Did they say anything about Jimmy G, trade offers, Trey Lance? Is there any indication, or did they just completely No, but let's have that situation? conversation. Let's have that conversation, okay? okay. And we're going to have it a lot more this summer. But what percentage do you think that Jimmy G has a shot of being the starting quarterback this year? It's a little bit higher than it was a couple of weeks ago. I think I originally said like 10%, maybe it's not like 25, 33%, somewhere in there. I'm probably at 10%. I think there's a few things at hand. One, Trey Lance needs all the reps this summer. Yeah. I think he's going to get him that's a he's given. injured. Jimmy G's injured. Two, I think it's a very realistic thing that the locker room loves Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they have his back, you know? So three, I don't think that the 49ers can just straight up cut Jimmy G for that reason. Like the locker room might turn a little bit sour if you cut the guy for no reason that they like. Also, I think Kyle has a bit of pride and the guy who he's hitched his wagon to the past few years he doesn't want to get just nothing from him. So it might get a little complicated here if they get to training camp and Jimmy's still on the roster. But Hayden, I, I would be stunned, floored, shocked if Trey Lance is not the starting quarterback for all 17 games of the regular season, barring injury. Those sound like pretty good reasons to be over 10% odds, though. You know, like you just made the case for Jimmy staying. So I, I just don't, I'm looking at the depth charts, all the teams that we thought were going to be in the right. trade discussion just drafted, like, I mean, it's a third round quarterback like your desmond ridders and your matt corral you check off that guys. box on your depth chart right so, so i'm like i was literally going through the team i was like who's it going to be like the team that makes the most sense in theory would be the seahawks but they're not going to trade into the seahawks i don't know man I, i'm I'm also very curious to see what this debo contract like what is debo mad about well also this team talk about pride we see all these other ones in you know the ravens in the chiefs in the Titans either not get to the level of contracts that these wide receivers want or appease them when they ask for a trade and let them go. Kyle 
he's going to like, something's going to happen or have to happen for him to give up Debo. Like he's going to stick to his guns, dig his feet into the dirt and say, no, man, I'm not moving off of this. And he has, he has the ability to call the shots and make that not happen. You know? I think the 49ers will see what Trey Lance is looking like in these camps that are coming up uh, before training camp, like the other OTAs and, and mini camps and all that stuff, while Jimmy G can't even play because he's got an injured shoulder, and then they'll kind of evaluate from there. They're not, I don't think they're in a rush to trade Jimmy G. Maybe it's just they need like a quarterback to go down in training camp, and like Jimmy G is going to be right. the guy to, to cruise in there. But even still, he's going to be competing with Baker Mayfield. It's like there's there's a lot of weirdness going on here. You don't like my take Trey Lance at quarterback 11 and really don't invest in any other piece along the 49ers. Yeah. So I, w- I want to make this clear. I, I still think, cause we're still playing for the ceiling outcomes and best ball mania that even if I think that like, there's, there's weirdness going on with this Jimmy G stuff, that does not mean that you can't draft Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance, if he's out there starting could be literally the quarterback one. So I think right. that but I can believe literally both things that, Hey, if you want to do a Jimmy G stack in the last round, like I was saying last year, you go ahead. I also think that you can like Trey Lance, um, in best ball mania because you're playing for for the ceiling all, all i know is like the story to me is not over just yet final quote we move on from the 49ers trey sermon got banged up and got behind last year i'm not holding that against them heading into this year we are a running team we like to run the ball is that uh, shanahan or, or that, was, that was kyle oh baby i'm back <laughs> i'm back no here. i mean it, it certainly sounded like elijah's like well well ahead but yeah again like he said all their backs get injured and it happened last year and that's why they put debo in the backfield and quickly on Danny Gray um, had a ton of drops, but he can flat out fly. He won the hundred meters in Texas as a freshman. Uh, they both in John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have a relationship with Sonny Dykes, who is his coach. Um, and they added that they have not spoken to Debo Samuel in multiple weeks, multiple weeks at this point. So Dude, this team <laughs> is insane. What's up? How is low key? Like a dragon setting everything on fire and like just doing it his own way. Period. This is wild. Yeah. And this is not the, like the first year of this. There's been like kind of random things popping up all the time. This is this is very strange. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Logan Hall. They trade out of the first round, got him early in the second round. Um, he's like 290 pounds at most, but he's going to play that three technique next to Vita Vea. Uh, and then we bring in Rashad White. Um, this was interesting from Jason Light, their general manager, obviously the running back coming out of Arizona State. They see a whole bunch of first and second down guys every single year, and it kind of seemed like vanilla to them. And so when you see a running back who can play in all three downs, a la Rashad White, that puts them higher on their board. Quote, he has a chance to be a big asset for us here. Yeah, I totally agree. Rashad White is like the perfect player for for fantasy purposes because there's a chance he gets catches a couple passes as a third down back, but I don't even think that's going to happen. I do know he has the size profile, and it's exactly what he did the last two seasons at Arizona State. If Leonard Fournette goes down, he's going to be the guy. It ain't going to be Keyshawn Vaughn. It ain't going to be Giovanni Bernard, who's making less than the second-place winner in Best Ball Mania 3. It's going to be Rashad White. Love Rashad White. This makes me love Leonard Fournette even more, just going through it as a reminder. Fournette, this offseason, three years, $21 million contract with $11 million guaranteed. And next year, if he's still on the roster, like the first day of a free agency, they give him uh, a, a little bit more money on top of it. So it's Leonard Fournette season. Again, it's like, I don't know how he's not a, a, a first round pick. Like, let's it, be honest, he was he was that good last year. Right. It, it, it's him and James Conner right now, still undervalued, even though Leonard Fournette's going as running back 12. We mentioned earlier that James Conner's going as running back 17. Those should be in the top 10. And I know that like there are other backs. How do we move them down? How do we move Alvin Kamara down at running back eight? How do we move DeAndre, oh, my DeAndre Swift, Swift down at running shares. back nine? You know, 
trust me, I want to move Nick Chubb up from running back 10. I'm making that case at this moment. Uh, but all these guys need to be there. And I'm totally cool starting drafts off with them as as a first or even second running back that I take off the board. So. But we, congrats to us. We beat the Rashad White undrafted we did. allegations. We did it. Everyone take your victory lap. We got them at a good landing spot. It was the perfect for, for perfect landing spot for, for Rashad And they White. seem to like really like him and and respect his his traits and stuff. So hopefully he, he proves out to be good early on. And, and Tom trusts him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, if, if Tom says, I like Rashad White, ooh, baby. All systems go. All right, we close out with the now called Washington Commanders. A very interesting thing here. And it kind of got lost in our intoxicated draft stream. But Drake London went eighth, right? Garrett Wilson went 10th. We mentioned Ron Rivera, Marty Herney going to the Ohio State press conference. There in the process, I heard mostly that was for Garrett Wilson and not necessarily Chris Olave. So they sat there at pick 11. I'd given them Kyle Hamilton. They move off that selection, trade out, I believe it was to pick 19 with the Saints, who then take Chris Olave at pick 11. And then at pick 19, they take Jahan Dotson. Um, I don't know anyone who had Jahan Dotson necessarily as like a top 20 selection. It just really to me stands out that they just wanted someone else to trust other than Terry McLaurin. And Terry has such great vertical ability, like making big plays and contested catches and stuff. And Jahan as like that outside to inside type who also makes difficult throws. Let's even say away from his body that his quarterback is inaccurate. Hint, hint, wink, wink, Carson Wentz. He has that. And that projection makes sense for the Washington. I don't really like the fit, to be honest. There's, there's mm. too many skinny players, man. Terry McLaurin's pretty thin. Jahan Dotson definitely skin. Curtis Samuel's thin. Diane Brown's thin. Like it's like to me, it's like the same looking dude. Like all the all four of them. I don't know where who's where if it's Curtis Samuel on the outside or the inside, but Jahan Dotson went really high. So I'm a little nervous about Curtis Samuel. I mean, they just like that contract, dude. I was looking at it. They can't get out of it, man. That is that is something. I hope he's healthy. Um, yeah, and Ron Rivera even compared Jahan Dotson to Deshaun Jackson and Steve Smith. First of all, they're oh, not even comparable okay. players. But what? like, I just said, what? I wrote down, what are you talking about? Not even close to similar types. I, I think I had comped him to like uh, Big Ten Darnell Mooney, and then they're comping to Hall of Famers. So who knows? Uh, who's he, right. He also crushed the Penn State quarterback, kind of like kept oh, digging in the hole over and over should, and over man. again. <laughs> Dude, he was like, was you know, I think. And no offense to the quarterback there. He was a good but not great player. But just Sean Johnson made him like look decent. And like he kept doing it over and over and over again. He just wanted to say that he sucked. And that quarterback really sucked. Can can confirm. Can confirm. Okay. Final pick that we're going to talk about here is Brian Robinson. You know, I'm a big fan. Coming out of Alabama, the running back. They took him as the 34th pick in the third round. Um, they have turned Antonio Gibson mainly into a between the tackles runner. They brought back. Jaden McKissick on a pretty sizable contract. Um, but as we know, and somehow Gibson was still being productive despite playing with a stress fracture in his leg for the entire half of the season. And when he's out there, Hayden, he fumbles the ball. So with Brian Robinson, they talked about his force missed tackles over 800 yards after contact. And they specifically mentioned that he protects the football. I like. I'll say this for the end of the podcast. You guys are still 70 minutes in. I think Antonio Gibson's the most overrated running back in football. Ooh. He just never, he just, he did really just never develop. There's, he's still a flashy player because he's so athletic. There's that screen pass where he took it like 80 yards to the house, but it's the fumble issues. I still don't think that he reads his blocks very well. And they panicked 
with JD McKissick uh, basically signing with with Buffalo, and they're like, no, 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 we're getting your ass back here. And then they went up and they got uh, Brian Robinson with the 98th overall pick. This is on my radar. If if I had to pick like oh, yeah. some some rookie just like surpassing the, uh, a veteran player, I think that Brian Robinson has a chance to do that. I'm very concerned about Antonio Gibson. They could have given him the rock way more than they did last year. He's got the injuries. He's got the fumble concerns. And Brian Robinson, we talked about it. He's like nothing super flashy about the nothing. guy, but he you spend five years at Alabama, you're going to come in here pretty polished. And I think he can win kind of kind of everywhere. So I, I'm not going to be drafting too much Antonio Gibson this year. When Best Ball Mania 3 opened, he was going as a 18th, and even after undrafted player Brian Robinson was, he's already up to 15th round. Um, I, I'm all in. I'm all in on that price in terms of running back insurance. Now, they outlined it and explained it, Hayden, by saying that we have three backs that all can have a different effect on the game in terms of game flow. So, like, when they're coming back, Jaden McKissick is in there. When they, like... I don't even know how they describe the differences between Antonio Gibson versus how they use him versus Brian Robinson. Cause I think that they're going to be using the exact same ways. Trust me. I was a huge fan of Antonio Gibson coming out of Memphis, but like all the elements that we were excited about there, haven't really shown up during his NFL time in terms of being like a versatile three down player. And part of that might be because of McKissick's presence there, but just of how Scott Turner and this team has used him. There's not too much energy or excitement or electricity that we should continuously be ranking him among the others that continue to do that. I mean, he's going as running back 16. That's just after Aaron Jones. That's after Leonard Fournette. That's ahead of James Conner that we keep talking about. No, thank you. Yeah. It's not even close. And, and even if, even if we are completely wrong with Antonio Gibson, this is still the commander's offense, man. Like you're not like getting like crazy seasons out of this offense, you know? So. Yeah, and they even lost um they even lost some offensive linemen as well. So the guard uh, sheriff. Yeah. So it's uh they brought in Andrew Norwell, who shocking has a history with Ron Rivera and Marty Herney. Okay. That's gonna do it. Now to say that, Hayden, John Dotson, in terms of dynasty, we're gonna have those rankings coming up here on on Tuesday. He's at least gonna be their wide receiver three, though. Like he is way ahead of people's appreciation or projection of where Diami Brown could be. That's yeah, for sure. And Terry McLaurin's contract is up. They can Carson Wentz has no money uh, after this year, so there could be a totally reset offense. Uh, but for this year, it's like hard to see how Jahan Dotson goes too crazy. And sorry to Sam Howell's family, but uh, we are still not discussing him on this show. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you all being here. We are seventy three minutes in. If you are still here, go and check out the other videos on the channel. Like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. We'll be back on Tuesday, like we keep talking about, with some dynasty rankings, Hayden's rankings, and uh, I'll just be here with snide comments and questions. Roast me. That's what we're going to do. All right, everyone. Have an awesome weekend. Up the villa. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Go play Best Ball Mania 3. See ya. (laughs) 